Uh, I'm excited about you being here tonight. My desire is that in the moments that we have together, we w- I just want just, to just together glean some thoughts from God's Word. I want to preach to you about what I believe is an important thing, an important reality. If not, I would not waste your time with it, but I believe that it is important. And so last night we began with this theme of loving God. And we talked about last night loving God with all your heart. And I described it as loving God with all your passion. And we talked about how that passion is something that your generation and at your age especially, you understand really well. And we talked about how it was important to have a personal passion, how it was directed. And the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 were directed towards a person. And I'm giving a quick recap for those of you that missed out yesterday. But, uh, and, and I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version. But I talked about how it was thou, um, thou must love. You, it was a you, it was imperative guided towards an individual, towards a person. And I said that you had to make that your own personal desire. And then I I talked about it being a palpable passion, something that was uh, tangible, something that had an effect in your life, something that could be seen and felt and and realized in the real uh, life, in the real world. And then I talked about it being a pure passion, about how that in those places that nobody else sees, how sin takes place in the heart and where that moment of impact is, is in the heart. And that's where we decide whether sin reigns or whether righteousness reigns. And so we talked about loving God with all our passion. So let's go back to Matthew 22. If you have your Bible, if you have your version app, if you have whatever you have, open it up to Matthew 22 and verse 37. And we're going to come back to that thought and that verse once again of loving God. Um, I always like to give the context. Here it is, Jesus talking with uh, the religious leaders that didn't like him because he was ruining their gig, and uh, he was telling them all the things that they really were and how they were really not righteous, even though they looked righteous, and even though they wanted everybody else to believe, and everybody else did believe that they were very righteous people, but God knew their hearts, and Jesus knew their hearts, and so he was uh, doing and saying some things that was shaking up their uh, little gig, and they didn't like that, and so they were always trying to trap him. They were always trying to do things to make Uh, him look foolish in front of his disciples and in front of his followers so that they would come back and follow those religious leaders and exactly the opposite would always happen the religious leaders would look foolish and and people more people would follow Jesus and uh, so it always worked out that way it was like the uh, the roadrunner and uh, and the coyote right it was always the trap was set and always the the roadrunner would find a way and uh, make the coyote look foolish same thing happened with Jesus and the Pharisees and the religious leaders is that they always set the trap and they thought it was a perfect trap and then Jesus would say something and they'd be like oh man and they would be uh, completely uh, left in the dust Um, well here we are in Matthew 22 same things happening and Jesus is responding to them about what is the most weightiest the most important single commandment and and so uh, they were trying to show that Jesus Jesus's simple approach to Christianity um, was uh, or, or towards uh, religious things was so um, uh, 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 light and so easy as compared to their weightier way of following all the rules of Moses. And so they were, they were thinking that by condensing him to one great commandment, they were going to trap him into being foolish and showing that he was too simple in his approach to uh, the things of God. And, uh, and by the way, this uh, verse 37, this is what uh, the Jewish people of, of the ancient times, they called the Shema. Okay, what, were they, what did they call it? Oh, let's try that one more time. What did they call it? 
Shema. And so this would be a prayer that they would repeat often. And, and, and all the Jewish people, all, all Jews would know this prayer as being the Shema. It was part of a prayer that they would repeat. And it was something that was always, they, you, would, you would learn it when you were younger than Jaden back there. You were four or five years old. You would learn the Shema. You would learn that prayer. You would learn that reality of quoting that creed, uh, something that you would say often. And so Jesus says this, and it's something that we find in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I believe it is, and uh, we, we find that very, that's very same sentence, that very same phrase. And so G, uh, Jesus is quoting that. But here tonight, we, we want to continue on on that thought of loving God. And tonight, I want to take you from loving God with all your passion to the next phrase that we find there. It says there in verse 37, Jesus said unto them, and let's all read it together. Here we go. Ready? Thou shalt. That's right, hold on, let's write that all together there. Verse 37, and thou shalt, if you have the King James with you, which is what I'm reading out of it, read it there. If you have any other version, read it as well. Just read it out loud from that thou shalt. Here we go, at the count of three. Ready, one, two, three. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Last night, we emphasized the heart, the passion, the seed of passion. That's what is your heart. We talked about how therein uh, we find these realities exposed in us, and we went through that. And tonight, I'd like to talk about your soul. It says there, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. I want to talk to you tonight about the soul. I was looking up in a Bible concordance, that's, a, that's like a dictionary for Bible words, and uh, several definitions stood out to me. There's a lot of different usages of the word soul in the Bible, uh, even though in our, in, our, in our Bible, you'll find that word soul many different places in the New Testament. Um, it's not always the same Greek word. It's not always the same original word. But nonetheless, when we find this word soul in these times, it's applied in this way. It is the vital force which animates the body and shows itself in breathing. Um, the very first time we find this is in Genesis, when God takes dirt and he molds out of the dirt the human beings. And I know that um, in your science book at Ann Richards or at La Jolla or at Westlaco or at Mission or at Palmview or wherever you're at, your science book will tell you that there was some monkeys that existed a couple million years ago and that from those monkeys is where you came. But I tell you that the Bible says that God created us and he formed us and he made us because we find that in the Bible it says in Genesis that God created the very first human beings, Adam and Eve. And so God took Adam from the dirt, he shaped him, molded him, and then the Bible says that he breathed life into him. That literal term of breathed life, it's in, 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 in Genesis, you wouldn't find it in Greek because Genesis was written in Hebrew. But that same word that is in, written in Hebrew where it says God breathed life into them is the same translation that in the Greek is translated to soul, which I'm going to translate for you into being the person, the you, the individual. It's who you are. You see, um, that breath of life, that unique personhood, that individual personality, it is the real you. It's the vital force which animates the body and shows itself in breathing. I thought about different ways to explain this to you, but I wanted to put it to you this way because this is where we're going to end. So I'm actually going to begin where we're going to end. 
You guys with me? I haven't lost you. You're with me, all right? This is exciting. I promise you that it'll be worth, it'll, it's going to be, this is going to be the shortest of the three nights. It's going to be really short. So stay with me during this whole time. This is a little bit heavy and it's tough and, and I don't like talking about it, but it's also something that I believe at, at, at any point in life, it's important to look at this reality and to look at this way. I remember the phone call I received. It was from somebody who I had, I remember uh, mentoring. I remember pouring myself into him. He was a young man that uh, at a very young age, about 14, 15, he got saved. He got on fire with God. He, he was somebody who had made some important decisions. I remember him coming home uh, one day and telling me, um, um, hey, you know what? My coach, he doesn't want to let me leave early on Wednesdays because we had youth on Wednesdays. And he said, uh, my coach doesn't want to let me leave early, but I want to go to church. And I said, well, you got, you got to make a decision, Carlos. You, you got to tell him that if you know. He said, but I'm the starting running back, uh, and, and we've got a really good team. And I said, well, it's a decision you got to make, Carlos, but I believe that God would want you to be at church on Wednesday nights at youth. And so he went to his coach, and he said, Coach, is there any way I can leave? And coach said, no, there's no way you can leave. And so uh, he said, well, all right. Well, then in that, he said, he said you leave, you're going to lose your starting position. He said, I'll, I'll keep you on the team, but you're going to lose your starting position. And, and that young man said, you know what, I, I, I just believe God is, more, is bigger than my team. God is bigger than, than just me having a starting position. And he made that commitment to leave. And I remember that it was a bold commitment. He was a, a great running back in the Valley. He was a starting running back for a varsity team here for La Jolla High School. And, and man, he made that decision. He was a young man that I poured into. I remember counseling him. And, and I remember him going off to, to a Bible college. I was so proud of him for making that decision and, and deciding to go and honor God by preparing himself to use, for God to use him any way that he saw fit. But on this occasion, this was several years later now, I got the phone call from Carlos, and Carlos said, hey, Brother John, uh, can you come uh, to the hospital? Um, it looks like my dad doesn't have much time left, and I'd, I'd love for you to, to be here with us right now and pray with us. I remember going and meeting up with my dad and, and, and our senior pastor, and I went with him, and we showed up to the hospital, and as soon as we had gotten into the hospital, Carlos met us in the lobby and he said, hey, thank you for coming. Uh, you can still come up and pray, but I just wanted you to know that my dad passed away uh, just a few minutes ago. And it was one of the few times that in my life I walked into a room where there was a body, but there was not a soul attached to that body at that moment any longer. See, at that moment, there was a father, and there was a brother, and there was a husband, there was a son, in that moment, there was a body that contained all of these things. It was a body that at one time had worked uh, strongly, uh, vibrantly, had cut grass, had worked in uh, warehouses. It was a body that had uh, gotten together with uh, friends and families that had done many, many things. But in that moment, it was just there. But his soul was no longer there because the breath had gone out of him. Remember another occasion not too long ago, it was January of this year, me and Mr. Jason and Jaime, uh, uh, we went to the hospital here in McAllen, and there was uh, uh, one of the winter Texans that came to work at camp, and he was there laying in a bed, and there was a machine that was breathing for him because at that moment he was no longer being able to breathe, and he was in his last remaining minutes of life. And that machine had to pump and force that air to him because, you see, his body was no longer being able to produce enough breath. And see, if that stopped, when that breath left, his life was gone. 
And a few minutes after we left the room, in fact, that's exactly what happened. The breath was gone out of him. Tonight, I want to encourage you because you see how you say, Pastor John, those are some real hard illustrations. I understand that. But you see, it does point to the fact of the reality of what the Bible is talking about here. The Bible says that we are to love our God with all our heart and with all of our soul, with all of our person. Our person is that vital force which animates the body and shows itself in breathing. Our person is that unique personhood, that individual personality. It it began with God breathing into man, and you and I, we breathe into existence. It is the seat of feeling desire and affection it it is not dissolved by death you see our emotions are dissolved by death you you, at that moment when I walked into that room I couldn't hurt Mr. Carlos's uh, dad's feelings I no longer could sit there and 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 I that that part of the of the body if I pinched his hand it wouldn't hurt him at that moment there were no words I could say to him to make him feel ugly at that moment You see, that person was gone. The soul was gone. Loving God with all our person, it is that part that is not dissolved by death. And tonight, young person, I want you to think about the individual person that you are, the unique personality that you are that God created. Now, uh, you may be um, tall, short. You may be thick. You may be thin. You may be uh, with long hair. You may be with short hair. You may be with falling out hair. You may be with no hair. Uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but whatever the case is, you're a unique individual. You're a person. You're uniquely designed. You are an individual. And tonight God says, Jesus' words tonight is that we are to love our God with all of our heart, with all of our person, with all of our soul. We talked about loving God with all of our passion, but tonight I want to guide you towards loving God with all that you are, that is, with all your person. Let's begin with Matthew chapter 6. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, and as you're turning there, once you find it, focus your attention there, but then close your eyes and let's ask for God's help and God's direction tonight. Father, we thank you for the moments that we have together. I pray for your guidance and your help. Lord, I need of you this evening, Father. I pray that you would t- make our minutes profitable and may our hearts be stirred towards you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Matthew 6, and it be, takes place right after uh, the, the story or the parable of the treasures, of laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. And uh, you know Matthew uh, 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In the midst of all of that is where we find this reality. And this is something I don't want you to miss because this is something that is of utmost importance. Look at what it says. It says in verse 25 of Matthew 6 and verse 25, it says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That word life is the same word soul. It's the same Greek word. It's just in one part of the the Bible it's translated soul. In this part it's translated life. So take no thought of your person is what it's saying there in verse 25. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. So here it is. Here's what I want you to get out of this passage. Here Jesus is talking and he's saying once again, this is your life. Your life is more than, okay, is what, this is what I want you to grasp. He's saying your soul is more than these things. But if it's more than, then that must mean it's included in. 
Does that make sense? Have I not confused you? I hope I haven't, okay? Here he's saying your body is more than these physical needs. It's more than, than, than raiment, okay? That's a real good King James word. That means it's more than your shirt and pants. More than your attire. That's all it means, that word raiment, okay? It's a good King James word for saying your attire. So the Bible is saying uh, your life, your person is more than these things, but that does mean that it's included in those things. So here's number one. Loving God with all your person, all that you are, it does include the physical person. It does include the physical person. Tonight, loving God does involve your physical personhood. It does involve your physical life. That is to say that you and I, we are commanded by God when we are commanded in in Matthew 22, verse 37, to love God with all of our soul, with all of our person. He's talking about our physical person as well, as being a part of it. That is to say that how we sleep, how we eat, whether or not we're healthy, what we indulge or overindulge in physically, is a way to love God. Now, I want to be very, very careful here, okay? I want you to understand this. That is to say that what I do with my body matters to God. That I can love God with my body, with the way that I am. The way I treat my body, with what I allow my body to participate or not participate in. There is a physical component to who I am as an individual. You know what? Uh, One of the great things that we find is that many times throughout Scripture, I'm so thankful for examples that we have. Examples like Queen Esther, who was a bu- the most beautiful woman in an entire kingdom. She was a beautiful young lady. And she used her physical features to be able to love God. By putting herself in a place to protect God's people, by putting herself in an opportunity to be able to go to a king that can make an influence and make a difference for God's uh, uh, chosen people, the Jews. And she used her physical being to be able to honor God. Can I, can I challenge you tonight, young ladies, in regards to that? Can I challenge you when it comes to that thought of loving God with our person that we realize that there's a physical component to loving God? That there is a reality behind the, the fact uh, in, in, um, in, in, in Timothy, we find that the Apostle Paul, he admonishes us to say uh, 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 the physical exercise, the well-being, it profiteth little, but godliness brings great gain. But you know, there is a component of that that there is profit in. That is to say, I remember at, at, my, at my gym in, in Clearwater, at the, at the college that I would go to, that verse was written on one of the uh, walls there in the gym. It was a little gym. It was a horrible gym, but it had like one bench and a couple curl bars and things like that. But I remember that being there because it would always be a reminder that bodily exercise, it profiteth little, but godliness is for great gain. And, but it, there is a component of physical nature that is profitable. Can I, can I, can I, can I just ask of you young person to think about when was the last time that you loved God with your body? When was the last time that you thought even in those terms that, that the way I take care of myself physically, that the way I, 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 I raiment myself, the way I adorn myself, the way I, 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 I use my body, what I use my body for can be of great gain for God. 
Because I can love God with my person, and my person has a physical component. There is a physical aspect of it. You see, uh, there in that verse, in, in, uh, in Matthew 6 and verse 25, it talks about uh, that our, 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 it says there, uh, our, our physical life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, uh, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is the life more than meat and the body than raiment. There's more to life, there's more to the soul than that, but there is that part in the soul. There is that part in us. And we can use that to love God or we can use that to offend God. We can use that to bring honor to God and glory to God or we can bring honor and glory to ourselves and forget about God. Can I, can, I, can I encourage you tonight, young people, to just think in that term. When it comes to loving God, I want you to think about, hey, um, sometimes we say, uh, uh, I'll, I, I won't throw names or anything like that, but I'll hear uh, young, um, young people talk with their parents, and they'll, they'll have an argument and say, Dad, why can't I just stay up till 3 in the morning? There's nothing wrong with that. And maybe there's not on an occasion. But you know, there is something to say about if you're sitting there on your Xbox, on your PS4 till 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you don't get the proper sleep, and you, don't do, you do that for you know, an entire COVID season of seven months, and all of a sudden now, you, you've become where your body doesn't function properly, and God has, has implemented in us that rest and proper rest, and, 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 and scientifically, there's research to say that between 10 and 5 in the morning is some of the best sleep that your body will receive, and and being able to get to that deep sleep and that deep state is something that is good, especially at a young age. And, and, and you say, Pastor John, are you saying that I have to be in bed? No, I'm just saying that there's a physical component to loving God. And decisions we make in the physical world have an effect in how we love God. There's an aspect of it that is important. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying tonight, when it comes to loving God with our person, with all that we are, there's a physical component, the physical person. But not only is there the physical person, go with me to Matthew 26 and verse 38. Matthew 26, 38. Here, Jesus is just a few verses, a few chapters later. Uh, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I preached about this a few uh, Sundays ago, if you were there. I preached about this, uh, this passage in particular. But verse 38 says, And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. That word soul right there, it's the same word that we found every, over here. Is not life more than meat? Is not life more than raiment? It's that same word. It's the same word we found in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. That same word. And here, Jesus is talking about my soul is exceeding, what did it say? Sorrowful. That is a feeling. And I want to tell you tonight, young person, I want to challenge you. Because during this state of life that you're in right now is when your feelings are all over the place. And I remember that. I, I even, I, I, even me that was a, on, the, on the pendulum of feeling, not feeling, I was more on the side of no feelings. I didn't have a lot of feelings. But I do remember having some feelings, right? And I do remember that, that this stage of life is where a lot of those feelings take place. Can I tell you something? That we need to love God with all our person, even our feeling person. Even the feeling side of our personhood. 
Get your emotions pointed towards God intentionally. That is to say, go with me to Mark 14. Go with me to Mark 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark. And so right after Matthew comes Mark. And Mark 14. I want you to just look at this passage once again. Same thing. Same story. Same reflection. Jesus said that he's there with Peter. He's there with James. He's there with John. He's there with his friends. And he's there in that moment in which he's facing some really emotional situations, some emotional decisions. And he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Once again, my soul, my personhood, my individual, who I am, at this moment, my feelings are directed this way. Can I, can I challenge you tonight, young person, to direct your feelings towards loving God? direct that part of your soul to loving God. You know, one of the things that, man, I, I, I have a big burden for. Uh, I, I, go, I go a lot to Latin America. Uh, uh, I remember the first time, that I love that song that uh, Ms. Linda and, and, and the group was singing over here. I remember last year, right around the, just a, a year and about two months ago, um, it was around the June or July period, um, I had been invited to go uh, preach at a camp down in Monterrey. And I remember being there, man, that auditorium was so hot. There was no air condition. But there was about, I don't know, 150 or so young people that were there at that camp. And that, that was the very first time I heard Waymaker. It was sung in Spanish. And 150 young people, an amazing praise band was up there. Uh, some of Linda's family was up there. And they were just singing out. And they were sweating. We were sweating in the benches. They were sweating up on stage. Everybody was sweating. But man, in that auditorium, I swear, I, I think the roof would shake when we would hit those high notes. There was some passion and some feeling when it came to loving God and worshiping Him. I remember always, I remember that from when I was a kid going down to Veracruz. And my dad would run camps down in Veracruz and we'd go in there and they would have the ronaya and they would be singing. And man, when they would sing, it just seemed like that room just felt it, that that worship was real. It was more than just a sound and, a, and just a few strings and a few uh, melodies and a few notes to get through from point A to point B. It meant something to those kids as they sang. Can I, can I encourage us as a church? Can I encourage you young people? Man, can you develop that feeling when it comes to loving God? That aspect, that part of the soul, there's a physical part of that personhood, but there's a feeling part of that personhood. There's a part that says, you know what? I really want to love God with all that I am. And man, when it comes time for me to shout praises to Him, Waymaker, beautiful name, what a beautiful name it is. May it be something that reverberates. May it be something that just goes from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet that we feel as we see seeing that we want to love God through who we are and what we're feeling at that moment. Can I challenge you tonight, young person, when it comes to loving God with all your person, with all that you are, with that vital force which animates the body and shows itself in breathing. Hey, what are you doing when you're worshiping? You are belting out. You are the, why was it that the state of California didn't want those people singing? Because there's that breath that comes out of you. Well, worship is a wonderful way that your feelings can be portrayed. And you know what? You can tell the difference between a person that is singing with feeling to God and a person that's just singing. You can tell a big difference. 
What was I describing between what I see in some of the places that I've been to and other places that I've been to? I'm describing different types of feeling when people are singing and worshiping. Can I challenge you tonight, young person, when it comes to loving God with all your person, when it comes to showing and displaying that love for God, it takes place in that physical person. It takes place in that feeling person. Get your emotions pointed towards God intentionally. Guys, this does not happen just because. It doesn't happen just because you're in church. It doesn't just happen because your parents brought you to church or bring you to church. It doesn't happen just because you go to a Christian school or just because you happen to have parents or grandparents that are Christians. It happens when you intentionally guide your emotions, your feelings towards a God that you love, towards a God that you're so thankful for that he could have left you in the pit of sin. He could have left you one breath away from an eternity in hell separated from God forever but you see he loved you so much he had that emotional love towards you that he sent his son to die on a cross for you and if that doesn't mean anything to you then I question whether or not you really are understanding what it is to have the salvation of Jesus Christ inside of you because when we understand and when we have a relationship with God and we want to love God it affects our physical person. It affects our feeling person. It affects the fact that, you know what? I'm going to get excited when the Cowboys win, which never happens. I'm going to get excited when this team wins. I'm going to get excited when my team wins, when we win the state championship, when we win that playoff game. But nothing and will even come close to exciting me as much as when I have the opportunity to love God, to worship God, to walk with God, to wake up in the morning, to sit on my pillow at night, and to think, that God doesn't need me in a, a lofty place. I don't have to go through these religious activities to be able to have a conversation with God right there on my pillow as I turn to go to sleep. I can say, God, uh, uh, man, I love you. I'm so thankful for what you have done in my life. God, you are so important to me. You mean so much to me. God, uh, I, can, I can share with you my feelings. God, I'm sad. My parents are arguing right now. God, uh, you know what? Uh, this happened at school today and I can converse with God and I can love of God and I can pursue God with my feelings intentionally being pointed towards God. But you know, I fear there's a generation of young people that are Christians in name. But you know what? They don't have those kind of conversations with God. They don't point their emotions intentionally towards God. God is a figment of an imagination of their parents of which they come to a church and they hear something about but whom they do not personally know and whom they do not intentionally pursue with their feelings. Can I challenge you tonight, young person, love God with all your person, with the physical person, with the feeling person. And go with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. You're with me, guys? I haven't lost you? Let me hear the canicas as you rattle, as you rattle your head. Click, 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 click. Everybody, anybody not know what canicas are? I was going to say, I, I bet you did. The marbles, that's what the marbles are, right? So when you have two marbles in a jar and you go like that, you know what sound it makes? Click, 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 click. All right, so that's what I'm saying. When you go like that, you go click, click, click. At least you have marbles up there, okay? All right, uh, Luke chapter 12. <laughs> I, I think that connected. I think that connected. Luke chapter 12. I want to say to you tonight that as we pursue God, as we love God, we love God with a physical person. We love God with a feeling person. And then we want to love God. Look at this. This is amazing. In verse number 19 of Luke 12, it says this in verse number 19. 
I will say to my soul, there's that word again, there's that word again, that same word, that personhood, that, that individual, that breath, that is life, that, that is the soul, that's that, that's that same word, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Loving God with all your person is a physical part, the physical person, the feeling person. But then there's what I've called the free person, the free person. I want you to understand this tonight, young person. God didn't make robots. 6,000 years ago when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he breathed life into them. And in that breathing life, in the giving them that individual soul, he made them to have the free person, the free soul. That is to say that you and I and he and she and she and she and he and he, every single person has the ability to make a free, a free choice for themselves. A free choice for themselves. And when it comes to loving God, you have the ability to love God with the physical person, with the feeling person, but then you are that free person. You are that individual soul that you have the ability to choose what you're going to do with that person, with that you, with the real you, with that real individual and I want to challenge you tonight because tonight, young person, you see, here's the one part, and I, I, I want to just get it through your mind in this sense. How many of you have seen uh, like a box of candle, uh, a box of uh, matches? How many of you have seen a, bo- a box of matches? You seen a box of matches? You seen that? You, get that? you get that box of matches and you pull out one match, okay, and you strike the side of that box, or if it's a flap, then they have that little scrapey thing at the top of the flap, and you, you scratch it. And what happens when you scratch it? Fire. Yay. Guys, it's so much fun. Just play with it. No, no, I'm kidding. Don't play with fire. Uh, but uh, you do that, right? And that match, once it's started, it's going to burn. And as it burns, it's going to burn until it doesn't burn. And, and though you can go to that box and you can get another match, you can never relight that match to that full extent, in that way, once it has burned, it's done. Every single one of us are a match. We have one time to burn our flame. And after that, it's done. Whatever you use to do, you know, when I strike that match, I can take it and take it to a candle. I can take it and throw it to some dry grass. I can take it and I can put it onto a stick of dynamite. There's a lot of different things that can be done with that match. But whatever I do with that match, that's it. That's the one thing that I did. If I strike it and I just look at it, I can see it, just look at it. And I can stand it in front of a screen and I can put it in front of the Xbox and I can just look at it. And that match can be used and it can be wasted in all of those ways. And that is the choice of that match. But once it's done, it's done because you are a free person but then the bible says we're going to give an account to god 
And tonight, when it comes to the thought of loving God, I want to challenge us to love God with all of our person, with the physical person, with the feeling person, with the free person. That is, with our individual choice. What will you do with your person? Will you love God completely? Will you love God entirely? Will you love God in such a way that what drives your emotions is the intentionality of loving God? That what drives your physical nature of your life, what you do with your body, how, what, you, what, what, what is, makes up how you, what, how you treat your body, is it something that is always with the mindset of loving God when it comes to the choices that make our lives? You see, our, we make our choices and then our choices make our life. And when it comes to that free person, you get the right to make the choice. But see, we don't get to choose the consequences. We just get to make the choice. And that's it. We decide where that match is going to go, how that match is going to be used. But then we've got to deal with the ramifications of it. There is not a more concrete thought that this world hates than that thought that I just said right there. The real reason why the world wants to make believe that God doesn't exist is because of the sheer fact of that truth right there, that if God exists, then that means that one day we will have to give an account for the life that he gave us, and that is the number one driving force because man wants to live as if there's no consequences. That's why they want young girls to take a pill after sleeping with the guy so that there's no consequences to what took place the night before. That's why they want to take her to a clinic when she's seven months pregnant to do away with that beautiful baby inside her tummy because there's no consequences and that's because the man's idea is that if we can just avoid consequences then we can keep living how we want but you see tonight young person i want to challenge you because we can make the right choice in that free person we can direct that free person to love God, to love God with our feelings, to love God with our physicalness, to love God with all that we are, with all of our personhood, with all the individual that God created in us. You see, you and I, we do have that breath of life right now. We're all here. We all get that one turn. And we go around this world Sometimes for five years, sometimes for 15 years, sometimes for 25 years, sometimes for 65 years, sometimes for 85 years. I saw today the, uh, an article about the oldest married couple, and they were both like 101 or something like that. They've been married, I think, for 78 years or something like that. But whether it's 25 years or 85 years or 101 years, we all only get one turn. And I'm trying to challenge you tonight and the reason we have this theme here this weekend is because when it comes to this aspect of loving God, there is no greater important thing for you to ponder, for you to think about, for you to consider. Because this world will throw a lot at you. You see this young man, as he stood there, he said, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Man, I made it to the NBA. I've got millions in the bank. Man, I'm gonna, I've got houses on the beach. I've got houses in the mountains. I have a Ferrari. I have the Tesla. I have lots of great things. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Let's party it up. Let's have a good time. And verse 20 says, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul, that life, that essence of breath, that real you, 
shall be required of you. Then those shall then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Steve Jobs was the most wealthiest person. He was a person who invented all of the Apple products, iPhones, the Mac that we have back there, all the MacBooks. Started out in his garage. He became a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. They thought if he kept on, he might have even be beaten and become the first trillionaire. Apple did become the first trillion-dollar company. But you see, a few years ago, he got pancreatic cancer. And despite all the doctor's efforts, despite the millions of dollars that he tried to pay to get himself better, there came a day that the breath left out of his life. And his body laid there, and his soul was required of him. And he had to stand before the one true God and give an account for the brain God gave him, for the body God gave him, for the opportunities God gave him, for the salvation that God offered him. And I don't know where his condition is or what his condition is, but I say this. In that moment, it didn't matter that he had built the first trillion-dollar company. In that moment, it didn't matter that he was a very, very smart guy, a genius of a person. In that moment, it didn't matter that the entire world would know what the product that he created in that garage was. The only thing that mattered was that his life was required of him. Tonight, young person, I'm just challenging you. See, what we do here, this isn't just a religious game or religious gimmick. This is something that is real. This is something of which is of utmost weight, of utmost importance, because this is talking about you, the real you, your soul, and that desire that God has for you to love God with all your person, with all that you are. What, you, what will you do with that person? Will you love God completely? Will you love God completely? Let's pray.